love that song. I'm in love with that song. I love that song. I love that song. I'm in love with that song. I love that song. I'm in love with that song. Welcome back to the I'm in love with that song podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. My name is Brad Page, and each episode of this show, I pick one of my favorite songs and we'll explore it together, listening to all the elements and components that make it a great song. You don't have to know anything about music theory or be a musician to enjoy the show. No technical stuff here. We're just listening to the performances, arrangements, and production that go into creating a great song. On this edition of the podcast, we're listening to the Masters of Metal, the band that created the template for literally thousands of bands that would follow, one of the most influential bands in rock history, and a song that, by any measure, is one of their creative peaks on record. We're, of course, talking about Black Sabbath and a song called Spiral Architect. We'll be right back after this. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Guitarist Tony Iommi, bassist Geezer Butler, drummer Bill Ward, and singer John Michael Ozzy Osbourne came together in Birmingham, England in 1968, first as the Polka Tuck Blues Band that also included another guitarist and a saxophone player, but they soon slimmed down to a four-piece and changed their name to Earth. But after discovering there was another band named Earth, they changed their name to Black Sabbath, as the story goes, inspired by the Boris Karloff movie of the same name. 
They released their first album in February 1970, on Friday the 13th, of course. Though it didn't come out in the U.S. until June 1st, it's considered by many to be the first heavy metal album, though no one really called it that at the time. But this was something new, something different, something distinct from psychedelia or blues rock. There had been heavy bands before, but Black Sabbath were tapping into something new. Figure in black, which points at me. The album sold pretty well. This wasn't the kind of band that was going to have hit singles. At least it didn't seem like it at the time. But these were the days when albums mattered. FM radio was at its peak creatively. And you weren't dependent on three-minute pop singles. There were other ways to find your audience. Less than a year later, they released their second album, Paranoid. What can you say about this album? It's in the pantheon of classic albums. It refined and defined the sound of heavy metal. It reached number one on the UK charts and number 12 on the US charts. They followed that with Masters of Reality, their third album, released in July 1971. Think about that. Three albums of all-new material released within a year and a half of each other, all three of them classic albums. Incredible. And this is not unique to Black Sabbath. This was the pace of the music industry at this time. Artists were under pressure to deliver one, two, sometimes three albums in a year. And it's unbelievable to see how many artists delivered. They were able to produce album after album of great material in such a short amount of time. So, of course, Black Sabbath were at it again, releasing their fourth album, Volume 4, in September 1972. They had gone to Los Angeles to record this one, renting a mansion in Bel Air, where the party never stopped. In fact, it followed them right into the record plant recording studio. The drugs were beginning to affect the work, but they were able to pull it together for another solid album.
the exhausting cycle of record, then tour, then record, then tour some more, wore on, and by 1973, they had to cancel a U.S. tour for their own health and sanity. But guitarist and de facto band leader Tony Iommi was itching to make another record. Tony was ambitious. He was watching Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, yes, the Rolling Stones and The Who, put out one monstrous album after another, and he wanted a piece of that action, too. He was concerned that Black Sabbath was stagnating, and he was putting a lot of pressure on himself. So they headed back to L.A., back to the same studio and that same mansion, figuring it worked for them last time. Except this time, it didn't. Maybe it was the pressure, maybe it was the drugs, maybe it was the surroundings or the distractions, probably a combination of all of that. But Tony developed some kind of writer's block. The ideas just weren't coming. They spent days, weeks, working on new material, but nothing came of it. Eventually, Tony gave up and the band returned to England with nothing to show for it. Back in England, they set up shop in an 18th century Gothic castle that had been outfitted with a recording studio. Of course, the place was rumored to be haunted. Sounds like a perfect place for Black Sabbath. So they got back to work, but for days, it wasn't any more productive than their sessions in L.A., until Tony came up with the riff that would become the title song of the next record, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. That was the key that unlocked his writer's block, and then they were back in business. They ended up with a really strong album. The record opens with the title cut, an instant Black Sabbath classic, and the album ends with Spiral Architect, one of their most ambitious tracks. Spiral Architect is credited to all four members of the band, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, Bill Ward, and Ozzy Osbourne. As usual with most Sabbath songs, Geezer wrote the lyrics. The album was produced by Black Sabbath and engineered by Mike Butcher. The song begins with Tony Iommi's acoustic guitar. He's playing a series of arpeggiated patterns that use a lot of open strings on his guitar, which allows certain notes to ring out clear for long stretches.
Then the electric guitar takes over and the whole mood changes. Where the acoustic guitar has kind of an intimate, melancholy feel to it, the electric guitar riff sounds big and majestic. Sounds to me like there's an electric guitar on the right and an acoustic a little lower in the mix on the left. Then when the band comes in, there's another electric guitar added on the left. I'm not sure if the acoustic guitar is still in there or not. See what you think. Here, we get a new riff. This one has almost a jazzy prog rock element to it. I don't know if they intended it or not, but I think that riff has a spiral feel to it. And then there's a simple but pretty effective drum fill by Bill Ward that leads us into the first verse. Now let's hear that all together and onwards into the first verse. Interesting chord progression behind the verse. Probably not what most people would expect when they think of Black Sabbath. Let's hear just the instrumental track. And this is a great vocal from Ozzy. He's in really good form here. One thing you will always hear on Aussie vocals is double tracking. From what I've read, he will record one line at a time and then sing that line again, trying to match it as closely as he can. And he'll do that one line at a time through the whole song. Of course, you can never do it 100% the same, but that is what makes double tracking special as opposed to using a short echo or chorus effect or digitally copying the part. Those small little differences are what can make double tracking sound magical. Sorcerers of darkness, selling me their time. Child of God sitting in the sun, giving peace of mind.
Next, we land at the first chorus. Musically, this part is great too. There's a string section here that really adds some drama. And I like the way Geezer Butler's bass primarily hangs around one note while the rest of the music swirls around him. Let's hear just the instrumental tracks first. It leads back to the main riff at the end of the chorus there. Let's hear it with Ozzy's vocals added back in. Bill Ward is augmenting his drums there with timpani, those big kettle drums. That booming sound really adds to the orchestral feel. It just makes that part sound so epic. Let's back it up a bit and listen for those timpani drums. Let's listen to Bill Ward's drum fill there. And here's the second verse. Then comes the second chorus, and the lyrics here are a little different this time around. You know, Black Sabbath has this reputation for being dark and foreboding, and of course they've earned that. But not every song is like that. This song is really life-affirming. Geezer Butler wrote these lyrics sitting on his front yard watching the sun come up. Life was good. And I think that's what this song is about. At least that's what I take from it. In a world that can often be harsh, you gotta learn to appreciate the good. Of all the things I value most in life, I see my memories and feel their warmth and know that they are good. Of all the things I value most in life, I see my memories and feel their warmth and know that they are good. Let's hear that full chorus. Of all the things I value most in life, I see my memories and feel their warmth and know that they are good. You know that I should. That leads us into an extended instrumental section, but there's no wailing guitar solo in this song. Instead, 
you're taken further on this epic journey, largely by the strings. In the credits for this song, besides guitar, Tony Iommi is credited for playing bagpipes. But in his autobiography, Iron Man, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell with Black Sabbath, he says he never actually played bagpipes on this song. He wanted to. In fact, he bought a set of bagpipes, brought them into the studio, and started blowing into them, but nothing came out. He spent hours on it and eventually decided that these bagpipes must be defective, so he sent them back to the store. They checked them out and said, there's nothing wrong with these. So he took them back into the studio and attached a vacuum cleaner to them, figuring that that would blow some air into them. But the only sound he got on tape was the noise from the vacuum cleaner. After wasting a few more hours on that, he gave up. I love that story. Instead, they just went with the strings, which were arranged by Will Malone. Let's bring those strings up in the mix. The strings are especially great here, too. Once again, let's hear the vocals on this final chorus. Of all the things I value most of all, I look upon my earth and feel the warmth and know that it is good. You know that I should. You know that I should. Now this ending is very intriguing. It builds to this huge climax. Then there's the sound of an audience applauding. That was overdubbed by their engineer, Mike Butcher. He probably pulled that from some sound effects library or something. Okay, fine. I can see how that's a nice way to end the song and the album with a round of applause. 
But then the band comes back in, mostly the bass and drums, and just kind of jams for a minute for a short fade out. Is that anticlimactic? Or is that representative of the never-ending song, the continuing journey, the endless spiral? You decide. Sabbath, Spiral Architect. The album Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, sold well. It became a fan favorite and actually earned them some good reviews for once. More importantly, though, it's a favorite among the band members themselves. In his book, Tony said Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath was the pinnacle. Ozzy called it their final album, which, of course, it wasn't. They would make more albums after that. But what he meant was that after Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, they lost their way a bit. It was never the same. There would be good songs after that, but this was the beginning of the end. Ozzy quit the band in 1977, but came back and then was fired for good in 1979. Bill Ward left in 1980. Of course, there would be reunions down the road, and pretty miraculously, all four original members are still alive today at the time of this recording. That's saying something. Thanks for joining me once again on the I'm In Love With That Song podcast. We're not going anywhere. We'll be back in about two weeks with another new episode. In the meantime, you can find all of our previous shows on our website, lovethatsongpodcast.com, or find us on your favorite podcast app. And if you're still looking for even more music-related podcasts, be sure to check out the other shows right here on the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you want to support the show, the absolute best thing you can do is to tell a friend about it. Share the show with your music-loving friends because that helps to spread the word. I can't wait to get back here and do the next episode, so I will see you soon. Thanks for listening to this edition on Spiral Architect by Black Sabbath. Of all the things I value most of all, I look upon my earth and feel the warmth and know that it is good. You know that I should. You know that I should. You know that I should. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 